Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast Podcast, brought to you by the We are running through a Monday slate of six games here. Nate, welcome back to the U.S., by the way. Uh, we will be looking at a few of the best bets that Nate and I have for these games here, as well as play a props in another video. So go ahead and like and subscribe to that page and continue to follow along. We also want you to head to thelines.com. The Super Bowl is coming up. Not sure if you knew that next Sunday. So we have plenty of content all over the place, including NFL and plenty of NBA as well. Still all the action continuing along here. Uh, Also want to make sure you use the odds finder tool that we have up there. That's where you can make sure that you're seeing all the odds in one place right in front of you to make sure you're getting the best juice back on all these bets that you are making in the NBA or NFL. One more game left this season. Nate, let's go ahead and run right into your first best bet for the NBA. We're talking about them dubs and nets. Yeah, I know the Nets have been weird, but this is more about the Warriors just kind of finding a rhythm here um, and and bouncing back with a win after the overtime loss in Atlanta. So Warriors plus one and a half or the money line doesn't make much of a difference. Although, you know, prior to that Atlanta game, they had a a real string of uh, close losses. Or I actually looked earlier when they had Draymond, four straight road losses in the November, December by three points or viewers. So there is a chance they cover a very small number here uh, without winning. But I mean, we're talking about the nets that are, they do have the second worst record in non-conference games, seven and 13 at this point, the dubs are nine and four ATS is road dogs. Uh, so slight road dogs here, but I mean, let's, let's look at a bit more of the numbers here. The fact that the Nets are allowing 42% from three in their last three. They just allowed a monstrous assist to turnover ratio to Philly, a shorthanded Philly team, 5.2 assist to turnover. The dubs on the other side, allowing the third lowest assisted field goal ratio in their last three, no Ben Simmons, no DFS on one side, no CP three, no Andrew Wiggins on the other. Um, I, I don't, you know, that doesn't seem to be a negative that, the um, the Warriors are three and one without Wigs this year. They're scoring one twenty two a game, and their assists have skyrocketed to thirty three. And you've seen when the Warriors are assisting a lot, uh, it usually means that things are flowing really well. The pace and space is back, and the offense is humming. Uh, so that made me think about the over initially for this game, but I feel like it's kind of a trap after the Nets have played really fast in their last four. They went over in three straight. They had Ben Simmons for two of those, and he's just out there pushing the pace no matter what. Now at home, I, I, I think maybe it slows down a little bit. I think the over is definitely still in play, though, if you do want to add that with the Warriors. But I, I more trust them to score on, on a, a defense that doesn't have much outside of Nick Claxton. I mean, you just you don't attack him. You attack you shoot you shoot from deep, and uh, you you find some success against this team. Uh, the, 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 the Nets had gone over in five of their previous six at home against the Western conference. I think that's more of an effective on their defense, uh, than, than, than faith in their offense necessarily. So just give me the warriors here and let's not mess around with the total. Yeah. Both, both of these teams have bit me uh, a couple times in, in recent past. And I, I don't have a strong hold on the Nets. Cause I do think there's some, I don't know. There's some weird sort of like, let down scenarios for them. There's some some instances where it's like, okay, they're rolling, which kind of feels like they are right now. What's going to happen next? How is this shoe going to drop? When's it going to fall? And uh, it does feel like, look, I want to say that the Warriors are going to turn things around. They've been so freaking bad in the clutch, man, that it's really just tough to to buy into them. They they've they've got more blown leads. They've got more losses with less than five points, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now I, I know it's a small spread and all the rest, but I have uh, I don't have any faith in Steve Kerr 
to be honest with you. And people can can question that. But I have been watching enough of his late game and in-game uh, coaching to go, what are we doing here with this rotation? Why are we beating you over the head to to play Jonathan Kaminga? You're clearly only athlete on the team, right? Like, so I just I just don't know if I trust him in those situations to play the right guy and all that kind of stuff. But in, in retrospect, this, they should at least be able to uh, to keep this game close and and potentially pull it out. But let me go to a, a game that I'm going to split my unit and talk about the Hawks and uh, this uh, these Clippers, man. Best team in the NBA, Clippers. I mean, over the course of the last 15 games, they're up there in, in net rating. They're up there with the top O rating. The, the D rating is still really, really good as well. They have been a little bit more of an offensive-minded team. So I'm going to take um, the over 242.5, and, and I'm going to also put, split that unit with a half on Atlanta to cover 3.5. And, and it's just a, a, a fishy line in a way that's like, I'm, I'm going to start believing in Atlanta a bit more. Now, I, I think they're going to continue to be the team we've seen for three seasons in a row where they've had you know, 12 game win streak, eight game loop streak, 12 game win streak, eight game loop streak. They've done that for the last three seasons where they've been a streaky team like that. And I do think they're riding one of those, you know, hot waves, if you will, in part because their offense is so good. They're five and two straight up in their last seven home games. Uh, the teams they beat Orlando, the dubs, the, the Suns, the Lakers and the Raptors. And as soon as I saw this three and a half spread, I was like, this is heavy Phoenix Suns game vibes that they just played a three and a half underdog at home versus Phoenix in a highly uh, competitive offensive game, for sure. Uh, Zubak came back for the Clips and played a little bit last night. We, we saw, I, I don't know what the, what has that that means for him tonight, what's going to be in store for his minutes, where he you know just came off of, obviously, minutes restriction after one game, and it's the second leg of a back-to-back. The likelihood that he doesn't play, we don't have a lineup uh, injury report yet, but the likelihood that he doesn't play is kind of high as well. And down low, like Clint Capella has kind of been a beast over the last like seven to 10 games, especially at home. Uh, this team has the number nine defensive field goal percentage at the rim. They have been getting a bunch of offensive rebounds as well over the course of their last seven games. Um, their, their offensive rating, number one in their last five, uh, up at about 126 uh, and a 121 defensive rating um, because their games are averaging about 246 in that time frame. Um, but like I said, too, like the, the over is the is a better play here. It did get bet down a couple points. Um, and when these teams have faced each other in recent past where they both had their same you know teams in and one of them was on a back to back last year as well. You're talking about a bit of sl- slightly slower pace. Uh, these games actually average a lot lower, even in Atlanta. The game only totaled 231 in that one. Um, so it, it does make me a bit nervous to go the clips on a back-to-back here. They've shown a, a propensity to score points, but averaging about you know less than 120 as well. So it does seem like they might want to keep this a bit slower, but I don't think they're going to have much success stopping what Atlanta wants to do. Atlanta scoring a bunch uh, in the corners and in the mid-range. That has been available if you are, uh, you know, if you're playing the Clippers more than anything. Of course, with Zubac in or with Zubac out, you can get to the lane, into the rim a bit more. And I think that that for Trey, either the above the break three or that pick and roll with with Capello and even Okongu to agree will, will be there for them if the uh, if the Clippers front court is a bit thin. Yeah, I think I like the over more here. I just don't want to fade the Clippers in the year of our Lord 2024 uh, here. <laughs> I mean, they are. They are a machine, and they've been they've come with it on back to backs recently too, uh, including that that decisive win in Boston. But if you take an over in the Hawks in a, in a Hawks home game, especially right now when when their offense is rolling, you're probably going to hit more often than not. This game has two of the best five passers in the league. I think you can say handily, and yeah, like they're, they're scoring from the corner because Trey Young's whipping that thing over there. Yeah. Harden's going to be doing the same. It's going to be a lot of open shots, a lot of back and forth. And probably, yeah, the, the Hawks mindset, which is like, you might score and then we'll go down there 
and score again and and get this thing around 250 for the total. Uh, So I'll take the Cavs here for the second pick. Minus four and a half. It's down about one and a half or two points because Jared Allen is legitimately questionable. But they do have Evan Mobley back to throw at DeMontis Sabonis if Allen does miss here. I think, I mean, the Cavs have been dealing with guys out, Mobley and Garland, of course. Garland's back on a minutes restriction here. But they just plug people in and, and play a really good defensive system as a team. Limiting the things you want to limit, of course, uh, in, during this 13-1 stretch where their only loss was to Milwaukee after that that post, that post new coach lift. Um, they have the number one defensive rating. They're holding opponents at 34% from three and 8-0 at home in that stretch. They've won 12 of the last 14 at home and only one game has been let by less than five points. Like they, they win and they... They, they they win it rather decisively. So I don't think there's that much worry about the spread here. And the Kings, I mean, the Road Kings, they've, they've done well here on this road trip. They're 5-1. and one, And they've, they've stopped being that, the, the team you can just fade automatically on the road. But Game 7 of a long road trip at a team that just does not give it up at home. Third game in four nights. And you look at some of these numbers, like they, they're – they're the fourth highest assist rate on their threes. The Kings are. They, they got to move the ball around. Well, Cleveland allows the fewest assists. They also hold teams to down on the three-point line. Kings shoot just 33% from three in losses versus like 38% of wins. Like it, It's not just about Fox and Sabonis. Those guys might get theirs, but I just don't see anybody else cooking. Like, Could you possibly see a good Kevin Herter game in Cleveland here? Not likely. If it's low-scoring, Kings tend to lose these low scoring games and the Cavs are are more than comfortable uh playing a low score playing an under uh and the Kings trend under on the road so I, I just like the Cavs I agree I'm just confused why this has been bet up by five points uh somebody knows something about that total I don't think it's the the total like going over necessarily uh screws the Cavs like if anything it kind of indicates that the the Cavs people expect the Cavs to score a bunch in this game and I mean I would agree. I, the Jared Allen stuff is kind of weird because really the only things that we have to look at for when the Cavs have been awesome was Jared Allen, no Mobley. But there is still something to the idea of Mobley, no Allen. And the fact that clearly, I mean, to me, it's clear that they just haven't worked together on the floor at the same time together. So the offense actually does tend to to maybe, you know, ex- exceed expectations when uh, it's got just one of those guys as opposed to both of them on the floor. And yeah, the, uh, the, the no Jared Allen would would lead to a few more points. Um, but yeah, if, if, if Domas is the, is the, the sort of key to things here, then it does slow things down in general. And once you get a little bit choppier, then yeah, you are going to be able to, uh, to, 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 to have the Cavs sort of strengths rise to the top, if you will. So uh, let me close it out with just the same game parlay here, because I, I am going to talk about Kyrie Irving. I wanted to make sure I talked about Tyrese Maxey as well. So I'm taking both these dudes to duel it out in a point guard shootout with the Mavs uh, taking on the 76ers here in a team of that is both teams are depleted. So I'm going to take 30 boat plus for both of them and put a half a unit on it for plus 225 and have some fun to kick off our week uh, with the expectation that Luka's not going to play. He's he's listed as questionable. He has props up at like 36 and a half points. He also hurt a pop in his ankle when Giannis Antetokounmpo fell on it. So I just don't know how he gets into this game. If he does play, I got to assume he's limited. Maybe you like assist more for him and you let Kyrie do a lot of the damage. I don't know why you shoot up Luka Doncic's ankle to play in a game against the Embiidless 76ers at the beginning of February. It does not seem like a good idea. 
But, you know, I'm not the uh, the Mavs front office. That's for damn sure. Um, let's just talk about a little bit why, like, these two dudes are going up in the just ideal matchups. Both teams, terrible against guarding point guards, have been that way. De'Anthony Melton out for this, uh, the 76ers has led directly to whomever is the the uh, the main, the, the primary guard, as they call them in some un, in some teams now. There's no there's fewer point guard, shooting guard, uh, nomenclatures, a lot more primary guard. And primary guard, for sure, is obviously Tyrese Maxey. Um, and, 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 uh, and in this case, what I believe to be um, Kyrie Irving. So with Derek Lively and Joel Embiid both out, we're also talking about two rims that are going to be just wide open for you. Uh, B-Ball Paul ain't doing much. Shout out Mo Bamba. Had a really good game defending the rim, actually, not that long ago. Kind of looked Embiid-ish around the rim, the way he was moving, and he's gotten a little bit of weight on him, too. He's much bigger. So, like, he might be better at rim protection than we, we really want to give him credit for, but I'm still going to go ahead and take Kyrie Irving driving to the basket and finishing with one of his fancy layups over Mo Bamba, to be honest with you. And I might even consider it a, a decent matchup with Joel, but Joel's, as I've been talking about all season, a top five center in terms of protecting the rim. He's taking on more shots than any center at the rim. Um, and that's why he's got so many field goal attempts against him inside of five feet. But he's got a top five de- defensive field goal percentage against him when, when uh, he's in. This team has a top five defensive field goal percentage. In the last five games, of which he's played like basically one total, if you cobble together all his minutes in multiple games, right? They are 28th in defensive field goal percentage at the rim. Everything that Kyrie's going to want to do, mid-range stuff, as soon as he steps inside the three-point line, and everything driving to the rim. He's going to have everything in 15 feet and in at his disposal. Uh, with, with B-Ball Paul playing probably like 15-ish minutes, um, right? We're going to see plenty of Mo Bamba as well. He played like 17, 20 minutes. They're just cobbling together lineups to try to protect that rim, and it's just not working. It's a big reason the mid-range has been there as well. They, they are selling out on the three-point a little bit, which you might think would help against Dallas the way that Philly's going to sell out against a three-point um, line, but like... That's all Dallas does. Like they're going to have five shooters on the floor at all times with Derek Lively, really the only dude in their rotation that can't shoot threes. To be honest with you, um, so there there is a good reason to believe that guys that are, are going to be open more in the corner uh, off of Kyrie will have some shots as well. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a good matchup for both these guys. And as far as Tyrese goes, like I just said. Dallas has been awful at defending the rim the entire season. So Tyrese is going to get to the free throw line. Uh, the three-point defense for Dallas haven't really been running people off of that either over their last 10 in the bottom half of the league uh, defending the three-point line. So Tyrese Maxey, I mean, if you want the with and without numbers for these guys, right? Kyrie without Luka talking about 31 a game. Tyrese without Joel in his last 10 or last five this season without Joel, like 33 a game. So we're, we're feeling pretty good about these guys to get their points and get us a, a nice little plus 225. I agree with everything you said. I think you can also throw in Tobias Harris 20 points. I mean, because there's just so such few options here uh, in terms of scoring the basketball for and creating a shot for either team. Tobias, in his last eight without Joel, averaging 24, you take away the game in Portland that they just literally punted. Right. He's averaging 26 a game. So throw him in there for 20. Maybe you want to move one of these guys or both down to 25. And then you get maybe about the same odds, but I don't think Dallas has any stoppers on the wing. And I think uh, Philly now adjusting to the new life here without Embiid for probably, you know, maybe the rest of the regular season, like, like long time, uh, long time. So it's, it's gotta be like, all right, what can we do with Maxi and Tobias as our number one, uh, number top two options? Yeah. Yeah. When we hear things like six to eight weeks, it's like, well, that's when the playoffs starts. So yeah, it starts to uh, get a little dicey for Joel's return, but both guys should be able to score. Tobias is still questionable, I believe. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I didn't look deeper into that. If he is expected to play, definitely, obviously, a, a good matchup as well for them. Power forwards and the like scoring. Everybody scores against Dallas. So, Nate, let's go ahead and run right into your NBA best player prop for tonight. 
Yeah, Brandon Pajemski, uh, B-Pods, as you might know him. Uh, despite the fact that Steph Curry just went off for 60, I'll take Pajemski to go 12.5 points here. Maybe a little bit more balance for the Warriors after Steph shot the ball at 33, 35 times in that overtime game. Maybe he needs a little bit of a breather. Uh, they're facing a Nets team that has limited three-point attempts, actually the fewest three-point attempts allowed in their last five home games. Uh, still not a great defense, though. 117 defensive rating, allowing 28 assists, allowing the most free throw attempts per game in that in, in this span here. Um, and <clears throat> Pajemski, you know, kind of the, the mid-range option for them here, especially with Chris Paul out. Like, I've noticed he plays eight more minutes per game. It's definitely sees numbers across the board without CP3. He also s- sees a rise in usage rate when he's playing with Draymond because, what, you take another score off the floor rather than playing with Saric or, or Kaminga or whoever – um, you know, his usage rate spikes and he has a plus, uh, a very good plus minus when, when he's out there with Draymond, uh, Clay Thompson now fading a little bit and, and Pajemski soaking up the usage. His last three uh, scoring 13 a game, along with eight rebounds, seven assists. And I'm a little wary of taking those peripheral stats. I mean, someone's skewed by blowouts, et cetera. Uh, <clears throat> But the 36 and a half minutes per game is what's encouraging enough to say, like, look, you can get you can get 13 points. And, the, you know, Andrew Wiggins is out. He's only had four games without Wiggs. That they were mostly earlier in his rookie year here. Somehow he had a lower usage rate. I think that's more to do with the CP3 Draymond situation. And now the Warriors are starting to actually nail down the rotations, right? Like, they actually, we actually know who's going to play, who's going to play with who. And and uh, I know you you don't have that much faith in Steve Kerr right now, but at least there's some consistency, and that goes a long way for a rookie who knows where he's supposed to get the ball, what he's supposed to do, and and, and how he's supposed to score. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the, my problem with with Steve Kerr this season is like play the right guys, uh, but he's been playing B Pod Brandon Podjimski uh, consistently, uh, <laughs> like very consistently. I think he spent a week on the, uh, the the Santa Cruz Warriors, their G League team, and has not gone back down. So he's he's been seeing 30 minutes with some regularity a, a lot as well. This is a, a sort of guard-heavy um, team for the, the 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 Nets here. Oh, I said the Suns. Um, and so, so like, the, you are going to want him out there as well. He and Kaminga are the two rooks or youngsters, if you will, that, that he, he's finally starting to play for, for Kerr. So if the minutes and the volume are going to be there for B-Pod, obviously as a rook and a guy that's not always a focal point of the offense, it's hard to, like, pinpoint when he's going to be taking his shots necessarily. But, like, if he's in there, we, we, we can go with him. And if we do, like, a bit more points in this game, a bit more uh, pace, then we're good with it. Uh, let me go ahead and just... Cheese it up, man. Let me talk about chalk here. Kyrie Irving over 27 and a half points. I think it's low. I think like as soon as Luka Doncic is ruled out, we're going to go ahead and see that jump to third. What did we see last time? It was a 27, 28 and a half point prop in the last game that Luka missed when he missed a couple games in a row. That thing shot up to like 32 and a half for Kyrie against the Pelicans. I think he scored 33. Then he scored 42. Um, So yeah, the 27 and a half is actually low for a guy that should have his prop up above 30 in an offense that is just like it's centered around one player being the human computer that Luka Doncic is. And Kyrie Irving's a pretty good backup substitute for your computer point, you know, robotic point guard that can just make plays on the fly and, and finish around the rim. Like he's seven inches taller than he is. So um, that's a big part of what I'm looking for with Kyrie against this Philly defense. Like I'm not just looking at the fact that Philly has given up a ton of points to point guards, third most over their last seven games. They've been weak 
from the top of the key since DeAnthony Melton got hurt above the break threes are there for them. The defensive field goal percentage is down around the rim and mid ranges have been flying in against them as well over the course of the last roughly two weeks for Dallas and 10, let's say 10 games, almost three weeks um, that they've been in, in the bottom five in terms of allowing mid range as well. Kyrie, one of the few amazing mid range games left somehow this dude who's like barely six feet tall, maybe in like in platform shoes has a back to the basket game, right? Where he's hit a bunch of shots from the baseline as well. So I don't, like if, if, if he and Max are going at each other, I don't expect them to guard each other. To be honest, we're probably going to see Jaden Springer thrown on Kyrie Irving. And I don't know if you saw Jaden Springer lock up Jordan Clarkson recently, but it brought to my attention that this dude is a top five perimeter defender. And I don't think it's an, it's really even a question. He's been absolutely insane when he uh, gets locked in on these one-on-one matchups. That said, like, Jordan Clarkson, you can put your hands on him a little bit more than you can Kyrie. Uh, and him driving to the lane is not the slitheriness that Kyrie has. He's playing a little bit more bully ball with his size. And that's not the matchup for Springer. He's going to be much better against those bigger dudes. A couple of the guys that have torched him as of late, if you go back for the past like three weeks or so, even CJ McCollum had a great game against him, Steph, et cetera. So um, even when they do put him on those smaller point guard style players, he hasn't had the same success. Kyrie going to be able to get to the rim where I've talked about Philly's defensive field goal percentage inside five feet um, and their inability to, to they're, they've tried to sell out against the three. They have limited three point attempts um, over the course of the last like 10 games, but the percentage is still pretty high for their opponents. So Kyrie's going to be able to get what he wants. I expect those shots to be at about 23 to 24 a game, which is what he shoots without Luca in there. And that should get us to the, even if he's somewhat inefficient with 24 shots, he should be able to get us 30 points or 28 really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you you got to tack on the assists here if you're betting it to say like I'm I'm going to bet this now and assume Luca's out, you know, based on the reporting, right. based on Luca's post-game comments, like if Luca's out, like everything you said about him being the system, that just falls right down, right? And and 32 and a half points assists or even 31 and a half juice down is what you can get Kyrie at now for assists. Yeah, uh when good. he's when he's gone like uh for 23 in his last 3 without Luca, uh, you know, easily clearing that. And the Sixers have given up 32 assists per game their last six here. So I yeah. I like I like. I think the that. only thing that scares me about the assists is like if I am getting, because I agree with you, the four and a half is super low. It's even lower than the points relevant to if Luka doesn't play. That said, if Luka does play, right, we don't have as much of a hedge against the assists coming, but four and a half is still low even with Luka. So I, I hear your point. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see with Luka. Um, so I'm going with the uh, the low props here, but taking the another over Terrence Mann, 11.5 points rebounds. It's it's extremely low. I mean, I'm stunned to see how little this guy has rebounded this year. Uh, I, I mean, schematic to a degree, who he's guarding out on the perimeter. Uh, but I think with the clips on a back to back here at Atlanta, um, and you know that that we see Harden and Kawhi both have lower minutes in this situation in the back to back. You know, I started by writing Harden. Of course, he's going to get some pretty good numbers here. He is still even money for a double double. Definitely make that a bonus bet if you will. Uh, but I think there, there's there's going to be more opportunities for a young uh, spark plug like Mam to come in, play a few more minutes, and and grab some more boards and score easy buckets. Like we're talking about Atlanta. What do they not do? They they do not do anything well defensively. But I mean, they they don't watch cutters. They don't stop you from getting behind them, uh, from getting these easy dimes to a guy like Man, who's just going to keep moving, bring the energy. He's averaged ten and a half points, seven and a half rebounds his last six against Atlanta. Earned thirty one minutes. The last two back to backs that I'm talking about here: twenty two and a half PRA against Boston and Phoenix in just twenty six minutes per game. Uh, much much better defenses here than Atlanta. 
I, I don't understand why he's only at an 8.5% rebound rate this season. He's 13% for his career. He's a very good rebounder for a guard or small forward. And But you did see the, the rebound rates go up in these back-to-back situations where, yeah, he's, he's – and Zubac might be out here on the second half of back-to-back. Means uh, a little bit more small ball lineups, a little bit more man needing to mix it up here. A- Atlanta just gives up so many points at home. They'll have six, 127 on 50 40 splits. So, uh, should be pretty easy for him to slip in there and get the, the nine points that is that part of the prop here. Feels right. Yeah. I, I, I like, I always look like looking at Terrence Mann. It's just, he's a dude who, like, I just don't know why he keeps getting buried on depth charts, but he seemed fine playing there um and staying in his role that he has he on the back-to-back i like the look a lot um i i was wondering if maybe there was like a, a harden isn't as good as atlanta narrative because of the nightlife in atlanta let's say like where lou will got his magic city wings that kind of thing but actually he's really good so if anything maybe he just harnesses the power of atlanta and his plays really well but going out after the game <laughs> yeah exactly he goes out after the game it was a back-to-back last night how he's not gonna be able to get there from traveling from miami obviously so that makes sense yeah he'll be it's the next game that we paid him if it's too soon after this game in atlanta uh let me close it out with dg the pg talking about Dar- darius garland i gotta go under because he's on the minutes restriction and that is the play here um that's it that, that, that is the analysis. He is not going to play more than 24 minutes. He's supposed to play around 20, which is what he's played since he's come back from injury. Um, Jared Allen being out, I don't know how that impacts uh, DG, to be honest with you. Like, in terms, it doesn't really impact his, his just sort of like, you know, stats as they are in, in the, the box score. But like, there does seem to, like, there is the possibility that they want him to shoot a bit more. I, I don't really put any much stock in that. I, I, what I'm looking at here is like, sack a little bit more defense on the road. This total has risen. Um, I don't know why. I guess because Jared Allen's questionable might impact the defense down low and Domas Sabonis' ability to score and, and do what he does down low because of Jared Allen's absence. But like, for, for the way that Sack's been playing, like, pretty well against point guards, um, you'd think it, it would have been better, but it's, it's come a long way. Uh, as they've actually seen a little bit more Davion Mitchell um, and because Kevin Huerta just can't shoot and his defense has not been there as well. So he's, I don't, I don't believe he'll be the one on uh, Darius Garland in this matchup. Like I said, I think you'll see a little bit more Davion Mitchell, if nothing else to guard uh, Donovan in this one as well as, as a, you know, their, their best sort of, Guard, point guard perimeter defender with that in mind like his individual defensive rating is down about 108 108 and a half so I, I do like the, them odds uh, enough to go with it but look I, I'm not going to give you much because on the season like sack while they've been better on the road things do slow down that's that's my main thing here is just sack on the road where they they score six fewer points they allow uh roughly eight seven fewer six fewer points as well <laughs> Um, and the pace drops for, you know, a couple points per 100, a couple possessions per 100 as well for them. So between the slightly slower pace, like I, we're not going to see a 245, 250 Kings game that we might be used to on the road. We're going to see a lot closer to that 230, 231 total. Um, I th- it's very possible that Darius Garland gets 20 points and rebounds through three quarters. That seems very reasonable. But like with the way that even since he's come back, you look at the amount of touches that he's had outside, the, uh, you know, around the perimeter. You look at the uh, potential assists, the adjusted assist ratio, all that stuff is down. 
even relevant to the efficiency numbers over the, the last three games where he's just not playing that many minutes, right? He, he got 22 against Detroit in like 22 minutes in terms of the PRA. And then that was it Memphis. And even the last game there for them, um, that was a nice blowout win. So uh, the blowout win is, is not necessarily out of the question either for them. I, I think both of us are a little bit skeptical to start believing in the Kings just yet, especially on the road. doesn't seem like the best uh, get right game for them. So yeah, I don't know that you're going to want to like, there, there's no situation where they push Darius Garland to like get more points out of him because they want to make sure they win this game. So with that in mind, like I'll just cap him at the 21 and a half PRA in the 22 minutes that he's supposed to play. Yeah, and keep in mind, he's coming back to a team that's been absolutely rolling without him, right? With Donovan Mitchell functioning as as the sun that this offense has rolled around. And there, there's always been questions about how they fit together, you know, who should shoot more, et cetera. So he's not going to come back in guns blazing. Like, that's that's not his DNA to say, like, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm the one who's got to control this offense. Like, he he's a good teammate in that sense. Um, yeah, so he's not going to take away from Donnie, who's probably going to cook against this Kings defense, he's his prop 28 and a half points. Like if it is a, a game where they need more offense and, and it is higher scoring than expected. Cause, cause no Allen. Uh, I think that just means more Donnie Mitchell, not necessarily. Yeah. Pushing Garland through, through right. his uh, injury. Yep. I'm with that for sure. So that is all the time we have for you. And this one though, continue to follow along, subscribe to that page and check out the best bets. We also have for you each and every weekday alongside these play of props. And until we see you next. Good betting. Stop, 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 stop.